we had Madison. She was born April 11th, and so my first Mother's Day, we got to dedicate her to the Lord, and that was so special. So uh, we are excited that we got to do that today with Jesse and Allison. So before I get started with the message, I thought I'd give us a little bit of Mother's Day humor and read you a few things that mothers would never say. Yeah, I used to skip school a lot, too. Just leave all the lights on. It makes the house look more cheery. Although I think Walter would agree that I would say that. Let me smell that shirt. Yeah, it's good for another week. <laughs> Go ahead and keep that stray dog, honey. I'm glad to feed and walk him every day. Well, if Timmy's mom says it's okay, then that's good enough for me. I don't have a tissue, but go ahead and use your sleeve. The curfew is just a general time frame to shoot for. It's not like I'm running a prison around here. Can anybody relate? And then for those of you that have given birth, You'll appreciate this. Preparing for childbirth, the first baby, you practice your breathing religiously. The second baby, you don't bother practicing because you remember that the last time, breathing didn't make a darn difference. And the third baby, you ask for the epidural in the eighth month. Well, I have the privilege of having my mom here today. So, Mom, I wanted to say Happy Mother's Day. I'm glad that you're here. Go ahead and stand up. She is crying and going to make me cry. She's a great mom. And one that when I get complimented, you're just like your mom. I smile and think that is a great compliment. What's your story? My grandma used to ask us that. When I was young and I would call her on the phone, one of the first things she would say is, what's your story? When I was not living at home anymore and she was living in our home, um, I would come over to visit and she would sit in the chair right by the kitchen, and she would say, hi, Michelle, what's your story? And I knew that was an invitation to sit and chat for a while. So I ask you today, what's your story? I'd like to this morning share about the story that's already been written about you. You see, you might be thinking you're pinning your own script, but I'm here to tell you this morning you're not. Your story's already been written. You might take the pen and become the editor for a chapter or two. But your story has already been written. And the author's name is Jesus. So before we get started, will you bow and pray with me? Jesus, your word says that where two or three are gathered together in your name, you are present so, Father, I thank you that you are here. 
Father, our ears are open and our hearts are open to receive. Speak to us today about the things you've already written about our lives. And Father, for those struggling today with their life and their story, Father, I pray that the struggle stops today and they begin to see you in the midst of every detail. We receive that today. Father, there is a lion inside these lungs, and I pray and I declare right now that you boldly speak through these lips and communicate what you want communicated to your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Our passage for this morning is found in Psalms 139, verse 16. And I'd like to read it to you out of a couple of different translations with hopes that you will absolutely hear and receive what Jesus is trying to speak to you today. The first translation is found in the New Living, and it says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. In the NIV, it says, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The Living Bible says, you saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. I love the way the message translates it. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even live one day. One of the key words in all the translations is the word all, A-double-L, all. Webster's defines all as the whole, the entire, total amount, quantity, or extent of. Your whole life, the good, the bad, the ugly, the wonderful, the hard stuff, and the beautiful are all part of the story that's been written by the best-selling author of all time, and his name is Jesus. Line by line, page by page, chapter by chapter, all the characters, family, friend, and foe, the places you've traveled, the highs and the lows, the births and the deaths, the grandest of moments and the hardest and the most tragic. None of them are absent from the transcripts that heaven holds on your life. In fact, I am certain of this. There is not a page of your life story that Jesus himself is not personally acquainted with. He has been present for every moment. He has been present every time the page has turned. In fact, I know that even though we not, might not recognize him, every time the page is turned or the chapter has changed. He's been there. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, 
for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. We often quote this verse or write it in the card to the junior high graduate, high school graduate, or college graduate. But I want to tell you today, it's not just for the graduate. It's for you. You see, it's for the person who's put off marriage or a family to start a business. It's for the mom and dad that are consumed with diapers and carpool and late night feedings, soccer practice, and all the other stuff. It's for the empty nesters who are once again rediscovering what life looks like outside of parenting. It's for the widow who lost the love of their life and they're looking how to move on. And it's for the children who lost their parents and don't know what life holds for them. You see, his plans for you are not subject to interpretation by your circumstances or the voices around you. They are subject to the author of those plans. When the Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you, he is not speaking from a position of bystander or onlooker. He's not just sitting on the sidelines of your life, checking things out. No, he is the author of your life. Some of you might find yourself in chapters that seem to be pinned in dark gray. It might feel like storm clouds are surrounding you. Trust me, I know hard times. Might not seem like it, but I do. You see, a few months ago, I got a phone call from a friend. They live in North Carolina. They were ministry friends of ours. And mom and dad were both on the phone, and they said, Michelle, we need your help. Our son moved to California months and months ago. He's now living on the streets. And the last time we heard from him was January. Can you help us? We know it's like finding a needle in a haystack, but can you help us? And I said, I know that Jesus in the middle of this can help us. Because you see, in our family, there was a time that I needed to find my brother. Mom and dad didn't know where he was. I lived in North Carolina, they were in California, and he was somewhere in Ohio. We were in the middle of summer camp. I was like, how in the world am I gonna do this? I was just late 20s. I said, Lord, I need your help. Somehow or another, Jesus showed up and he found him. And I got a message sent. He said, call home. Mom and dad want to talk to you. You see, my friends in North Carolina, I didn't know how I was going to find one homeless person in the thousands upon thousands that live the streets of L.A. County. But I said, Jesus, you help. 
you could show me where Michael was in the state of Ohio, you can find Bryce in the midst of a county. They actually got a hold of somebody that attends our church. And with his help, we located Bryce. Got a message to Bryce. And the next phone call I got from his parents was Bryce's call home. You see, God is in your story. Personally, on February the 14th, Valentine's Day, my brother-in-law, Derek Walt's brother, passed away. His wife passed away nine years earlier after only having their adoptive babies a year and a half. So he leaves behind two middle schoolage adopted kids that are moving in with our other brother-in-law and Walt's mom's coming to live with us. I don't understand that story. There are some scripts in life that don't make sense. The whys are numerous and the questions are never ending. But I know because I have seen it time and time and time again. He is faithful. God has a way of making even the worst of situations work together for the good. You see, I'm convinced that my niece and nephew, Takira and Jabari, that they are not absent from the transcripts that heaven holds on their life. God is very present in their story. In fact, Romans 8.28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Somebody in this place needs to hear this today. What the enemy has meant for your destruction and for the destruction of those that you love. Hear me today. God is already at work, working things for the good. You see, God was already at work finding Bryce on the streets of L.A. County. God is already at work in the lives of Takira and Jabari, even though they're moving from the state they love to California. God was already at work in Michael's life in Ohio when he didn't even realize it. God is at work in your family's life and in your life. Rest, he is faithful. I think of my friend Pam, dear friend. Her parents divorced when she was 12 years old. Her mom was a raging alcoholic and she died when Pam was 16. Her dad and two sisters died in a tragic plane crash when Pam was 18. She was attending USC and uh, in the middle of finals. She was actually supposed to be on that plane that day, but she was taking finals. She was pulled from class to be pulled 
that her dad and two sisters have died. She is somebody that has every right to have just walked away and been like, I'm done. But instead, I have absolutely watched God use Pam's life to be a wonderful mom and to make a difference in the lives of countless young women, and my Madison being one of them. You see, no matter the story, God has a way of still using you. Hebrews 12.2 states, he is the author and finisher of our faith. That means he not only started the book, he's finished the book. There's a period at the end. He does not leave you incomplete. Webster's 1828, favorite dictionary of all time. If you ever use one, use the Webster's 1828. It defines author as such. One who produces, creates, or brings into being, just as God is the author of the universe. In a more general sense, it is one whose occupation is to compose and write books as opposed to just a compiler or translator. So listen, he has not just compiled the details of your life. He composed the details of your life. He is not just translating your life. He wrote your life. Webster's 1828 defines finisher as such. One who finishes, one who completely performs, one who puts an end to, one who completes or perfects. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus never starts something he doesn't finish. He didn't start creation on day one and decide by day three, I'm done with this. You wouldn't be here. He doesn't start something that he doesn't complete. He is the starter, author, finisher, and fixer. Ever need a fixer? Finisher and fixer. You currently might be in a chapter of your own making and consequences because you decided to become the editor of your life and you need him to be the fixer. You took the pen from his hand and you decided you wanted your life to look a certain way or you wanted to look like someone else. There is nothing that he cannot use and fix to be used for his purposes. He did not create you to be someone else. He created you to be you. He created me to be hot pink and loud. And Italian, don't forget that. Just like you, on too many occasions, I have more than once picked up the pen 
and tried to write the script myself. I've tried to fix the family relationships that have been breached that only he could fix. I've tried to fix things for my kids that only Jesus himself can make right. I'm not their God. I continue to realize every time I take the pen, I create a situation that needs his fixing. And more times than I can count, I have had to hand back the pen and say, please, do with me as you would. You see, Philippians 1.6 says, being confident of this very thing. Being confident. Not just hoping. Not just scratching your head like maybe. No, no, no. Being confident. There's nothing that can sway you. It's kind of like that passage in the New Testament at the beginning where it says Jesus' eyes were fixed on the cross. You could not sway him from what he was going to do. His eyes were fixed. Your confidence needs to be fixed. That he who began a good work in you and your family will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will not leave you unfinished. He will not leave a chapter undone. It might seem as if you're living in the longest chapter of your life. When is this going to be over? Just hold on. He's not done. In fact, you can trust the next chapter is coming because you know the author. Have you ever heard the expression, your life is an open book? My dad used to say it like this, Michelle, your actions are speaking so loud, I can't hear a word you're saying. And I knew we were in for a talking. Your life is an open book. I love what the author Jan, John Atkuff, um said. Sometimes God redeems your story by surrounding you with people who need to hear your past so it doesn't become their future. The reason why I love this quote is because our life and stories make a difference. Revelation says, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and what? The word of their testimony. So your story makes a difference. So I grew up in the Cross family. My mom and brother are here today. I was um, one of three kids. I have a sister. I'm the oldest, my brother's the middle child, and my sister's the youngest. My sister and her family, many of you know Melanie and Steve, they live in Tennessee. I remember when my mom was pregnant. Uh, I remember her maternity clothes. My favorite shirt that she wore said, baby under construction, with an arrow pointing down. Maternity clothes have come a heck of a long way. 
but that was my favorite. Back in the 70s, there were no gender reveal parties, so you didn't know what you were having until you got the phone call from the hospital saying if it was a girl or a boy. All I knew was I was excited I was going to be a big sister again. What I didn't know when my mom was pregnant was that she had extremely high blood pressure. I remember as a seven-year-old seeing that uh, blood pressure cuff sitting on her nightstand, but at seven, I had no idea what that meant. It was only later in life that I would come to hear the story of my mom's um, pregnancy and my sister's life. You see, during her pregnancy, the doctor had um, told my mom he wanted her to set up a consultation for an abortion. And because uh, he was absolutely convinced that my sister would be brain damaged or at best have a dull brain. If you know my sister, you know that ain't true. My mom, having learned through other chapters of her life story to depend on God and to trust him at his word. She didn't set up the consultation. In fact, she never even told my dad. And on September 17, 1977, my sister was born a healthy baby girl. And in the delivery room, the doctor, who my mother still keeps in contact with, looked at my mom and said, it will not hurt my feelings for you to tell me that I was wrong. Fast forward. Mel is being tested for kindergarten, and she's being tested by the principal who tested both my brother and I. He looks at my mom and says, and I believe my father was there, this one is going to be your shining star. Well, I don't know how you'd feel about that. But I think I've done all right for myself. Fast forward again, Melanie would come home from school and she'd go in her room and she'd set up all of her dolls and they were her classroom. And she would literally go through her entire day teaching those dolls, the classroom of dolls, everything her teacher taught. We knew that Mel was destined to be a teacher. And in fact, she did become a teacher. She spoke into the lives of second graders for over 20 years. She shared with her students that Jesus wrote a story about their life. And she helped them at that age discover what that story was. You see, all of Melanie's days were written before she was even one day old. God redeemed her story through my mom so that multiple classes of second graders, future could look different. All of your days were written in his book before you were ever one day old. The author and finisher of your faith has redeemed your story so that other people's lives and eternities could look different. He's not done with you. 
He will continue to perfect everything that concerns you. Lay the situations down. Lay the son or daughter at the feet of Jesus. For some of you, lay the marriage down. Find rest and peace, knowing that he who began a good work in you and your family will complete it. He will finish it. You're priceless to him. You're a best-selling novel. You are not the New York Times bestseller. You are heaven's bestseller. He don't make junk. Not for one minute did he ever question what he made when he made you. And not on any given day. Has God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit ever scratched their head and thought, we made you in the wrong body? You are exactly who you are intended to be. As I conclude, I want to leave you with this. There is a chapter that's been written about every single one of our lives, and it's the same. The details might be different, but you are the only one that can decide if it's going to be included in your story. And it's a chapter that's been pinned in red. You see, for some of us that recognize what the cross means, and that Jesus went to the cross for you and me. That chapter is part of our story. You see, Jesus also had a story written about his life, and it wasn't all sunshines and rainbows. There were really hard parts. In fact, one of his most trusted friends betrayed him and sold him out. His closest companion denied him. And the religious establishment ostracized him. And tell me if this is not like what today is. Society wanted a criminal over a savior. Life wasn't easy. But you were always part of his story. He had you on his mind every step of the way. Every page that turned in his life, you were part of it. Today I want to invite you to put the pin down. Stop writing the story of your life. You aren't God. In your own life, you might think you're good, but you ain't that good. He knows what's best. And stop thinking you can write the story of other people's lives and your kids' lives. You see, there's a book that's already been pinned for them, and you're not God. You aren't the script writer. You are only the story teller. Surrendering to the script writer, surrendering to the author, 
trusting him with every word that he's penned. It's called freedom. Nothing is meaningless. No pain is wasted. Everything has a purpose. And the purpose is for his glory. We can choose to resist and struggle, or we can surrender and rest that he's got it all taken care of. Give back the pin and discover the life that he has for you. If you have not accepted Jesus, I invite you to do that today. I invite you to surrender your life to the author of your life. He has a good life for you. Will you bow your heads? Will you repeat this after me? Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died and resurrected for me. I repent of my sins, and I ask you to forgive me. Today I make you the Lord of my life. I give you back the pin. Let your will be done in my life today. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that today, talk to somebody about it. Talk to them. Find a good church. We invite you to make this church your family. But get in relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a Bible, go get one. Or if you have one on a shelf, go get it, dust it off, and start reading it. He wants to show you where he's been in every chapter and on every page. Amen. Happy Mother's Day.